About 10 years ago or so, I really got into the television show House MD. This was a show on the Fox network about a surly doctor and his team who solved medical mysteries. It's loosely based on Sherlock Holmes, only from a medical perspective. And I remember binge watching the first three seasons of this show. And now here's what you need to know. This was really before streaming platforms took off. So I was watching them on DVD. I had the first three seasons. And wouldn't you know it, when season three came to an end, it ended with a cliffhanger. And there were no more DVDs in the case for me to put in and continue watching. Normally, a house episode will wrap up really neatly with a clear diagnosis and a treatment plan. However, this last episode of season three ended not with the patient still sick, but with Dr. House in grave danger. And I had no more DVDs. I was left wondering if my favorite television character was really going to be okay. But then, a few days later, I was watching a football game because I had no more episodes of House to watch. And it was on the Fox network, and there was a timeout, and it cut to a commercial break. And what should appear on my screen but an advertisement for the start of the new season of House MD. Season eight was about to premiere this week, and the voiceover guy said that Dr. House was about to face his toughest challenge yet. And so suddenly, in an instant, I had a really good idea about how that cliffhanger at the end of season three was going to wrap up. If season eight was about to premiere, that meant that House was going to make it through whatever season four might have to offer. Thanks to that commercial, I knew how the cliffhanger would resolve. I knew, at least in general terms, how the story was going to end. As Christians, our faith tells us how the story is going to end. And there's a sense of peace in knowing that, a sense of calm in understanding. It's a wave of relief, kind of like the one I felt when the preview for House Season 8 appeared, only about a thousand times more significant. We trust what God has promised us. We have faith that at the end of this earthly existence, at the end of this troubled life, we will be with God. Much like me in that House episode, we don't know the specifics but we know in general terms how the story will end. That's what our first reading that Wes read for us from Revelation is getting at this morning. People will often look to the book of Revelation and then they'll try to use it to scare people. Folks will cherry pick verses and say, see, the end is near. See, all that stuff in Revelation is coming true right now. But that's not what I want to do today, or frankly, ever for that matter. I don't think the book of Revelation should be used as a blueprint, but I do think that it can be used to give us a sense of how the story's going to end. And this reading from the last chapters of Revelation this morning does just that for us. It describes a new Jerusalem, a new heaven and a new earth. It describes the water of life flowing through the city and the tree of life growing on either side of the river with leaves that will heal the nations of the world. It's a poetic description of the end of our story. The writer of Revelation is trying to help us see that in the end, God's going to put everything back together. God's going to heal all the nations of the world, not just some of the nations. God's going to restore and renew everything, heaven and earth and you and me and everything in between. This is how our story will end. But I just love 
that we get to read this beautiful poetic passage from Revelation on the same day that we get this reading from John's gospel. Because you might have missed this, but there's a very poignant question that Jesus asks the sick man right in the middle of the reading. He sees this man who's been ill for a long time, and he says to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? You see, we may know how the story is going to end, but if we're honest, do we really like that picture that Revelation paints for us? Do we want all the nations of the world to be healed, or maybe just some of them? Do we want our world to be made whole, or are we hoping that things will kind of largely just continue the way that it's always been? Do we personally want to be made well, or is there some sin that we kind of just want to hang on to for a couple of more years? There was a great blues artist named Albert King who had a famous song that I think reflects this exact idea. He said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. We all say that we want the future that God has promised us, but are we actually willing to let Jesus transform us today? Are we willing to let go of certain ideas that we've been clinging to? Are we willing to admit that we might have been wrong, that we could have done things better, that we need help in healing ourselves? This question that Jesus asks the sick man is just so direct and so wise. It stopped me in my tracks this week as I read it preparing for this sermon. Do I want to be made well? Sometimes it really seems like I don't. I'd rather just continue on with the way that things are, the way that things are comfortable, the way that they've always been. I don't need to change. I don't need to learn. I don't need to grow. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> this is often my internal monologue. But then something like the racist attack in Buffalo, New York happens, and I'm forced to admit that there's so much healing needed in this world right now that, frankly, things can't just continue on the way they've always been. As I told you last week, this evil, tragic event in Buffalo really unsettled me. And yet, as we all know, this is not the first tragedy like it, of its kind. This also wasn't the first instance of racially-fueled hatred and violence, but it feels like little ever changes. And so I wonder, do we want to be made well? Do we want Jesus to completely transform our lives and our world? Do our actions and beliefs seem to suggest that we want Jesus to heal us and change us and make us whole? I think Jesus asked the man at the pool if he wanted to be made well because it really wasn't that obvious. The man had been sitting there for many years. We're told he'd been sick for 38 years, and historians will tell us that 38 years was probably the average lifespan of a first century Palestinian. And so this man is spending his whole life waiting by these magical waters for something to happen, but he never really does anything to make it possible. He just keeps making excuses. He couldn't get anyone to put him in the magic water, and so that's why nothing has changed for him for 38 years. And so that's why Jesus has to ask him, do, do you want 
to be made well? (laughs) And then Jesus gives him some very simple instructions after this question. He says to the man, stand up, take up your mat, and walk. I love the way this whole exchange plays out in the gospel reading. The man never actually says to Jesus that he wants to be made well, but Jesus heals him anyway. And he does so by telling him to take small, simple steps. And I believe it can be the exact same way for us. Even when we aren't fully ready to let go of our old ways of looking at the world and doing things, Jesus can still bring healing. And not only that, but Jesus can bring healing to us and to our world through simple, small actions. This is how we will be made well. There's so much that's causing suffering in our world today. What happened in Buffalo last week was the product of all these different parts of our society that are just so unwell, coalescing in a moment. Something that horrific happens because of loneliness and mental health issues and systems of racially fueled hatred and media bias and bullying and so much more. And so Christ calls us to make one of these aspects of our world just a little bit better. You can reach out and connect with a person you know who's lonely. You can destigmatize mental health care so that people won't be afraid to ask for help when they're hurting. We can make it clear with our actions and words that we don't think any one race is superior to another. We can stand up when the bullies are loud. And much, much more. These are small, simple steps but they can all bring healing to this broken world. Any one of these could play a part in preventing the next tragedy from occurring. And frankly, no matter what, all of these small steps are frankly better than just sitting by the pool for 38 years and hoping that things change. Do you want to be made well? Jesus says, then stand up, take up your mat, and walk. Make a small effort to change yourself or to change the world around you by showing love to another today. Even though we know how the story is going to end, Christ still calls us to help move this hurting world towards that promised future. In the end, the nations will be healed and the waters of life will flow and nothing will be accursed and we shall all see God face to face. But in the meantime, Christ calls us to seek healing for ourselves and healing for others. May we act with great love so that today, even just a small corner of creation might start to look like that future God has promised us. Amen.